0: The Gran School of Business and Management at Pepperdine University proudly presents the Dean's Executive Leadership Series. This podcast invites top business practitioners and thought leaders to share their view on the real world of business.
1: Welcome to our Dean's Executive Leadership Series, our first event of 2008. It is wonderful to see you all out on this rather damp evening in Malibu, but we appreciate you coming. It is going to be a fabulous evening, so I appreciate you being here. Uh, we are going to talk quite a bit about the importance of stories tonight, so I'm going to tell you a story to kick this off. that happened to me today, and I thought it was great, being that I'm the dean of the business school, I was uh, driving back to Malibu from my office that is at our... Uh, uh, building in West Los Angeles, and I was driving down Pacific Coast Ohio, I was about to Big Rock, and I was pulling up to the stoplight there, and there was this black SUV right next to me, and the gentleman in the black SUV honks at me and rolls down his window, so I think, okay, I'm pretty safe, I'm a distance from him, so I can roll down my window and talk to him. Roll down the window, and he said, I just got accepted to your school, (laughs) and I'm thinking, now, how does he know that I'm with the school, but I have a license plate frame on the back of my car that says, Grazie Dio, School Pepperdine. So he had seen my license plate frame, and he was so excited. I got accepted to your school. I'm so excited, I can't wait to start. And I asked him which program, because we were at a rather long light. And, um, <laughs> and so he said the MBA program, and so then the light changes, so we decide we'd better move on before the traffic behind us gets upset. And as I start to roll up my window, he kind of turns back around and he goes, are you Dean Livingstone? And I said, I am Dean Livingstone. And then he said, he had his iPod in his ear, and he said, I'm listening to you interview Kiwana Brown in the Dells right now as I'm driving. So it was really this great experience. So you need a Pepperdine license plate, and you need to listen to our podcast of the Dell speakers. And it creates all kinds of wonderful conversation on the road as you drive. So. But it's a pleasure to have you here. Before I introduce our speaker this evening, I do want to mention a couple of things that are going on uh, in the weeks ahead that you should know about, and we'd love to have you participate in. Um, We are having a 20th anniversary reunion of our full-time MBA program around Homecoming weekend here at Pepperdine, which is February 15th through 17th. So those of you in the full-time program should come back for that. Uh, And those of you who are just alumni should certainly come and enjoy Homecoming uh, weekend. We have a career fair this Friday, January 25th at the Radisson in Culver City, so anyone, alumni or student that would like to participate, you can go online and register and certainly come and participate in that on Friday of this week. We also want to encourage you, if you've not joined our Grazia Dio alumni network to do that. Uh, that is our membership alumni group. It gives you access to uh, important events and information. We are also getting ready to put out our uh, an alumni directory of our Grazia Dio alumni network members, and we would love for you to be a part of that directory. Uh, also, if you're a golfer, we have our Friends of George Grazia Dio golf tournament coming up in April. We would love for you to be a part of that and to participate. It is our fourth. Fifth annual, I think it's our fifth annual Grazia Dio golf tournament. Um, I also want to recognize Faye McClure, who is with us. She is with Farmers Insurance Group and has been a wonderful friend of the school for several years now. And Farmers is our sponsor for the Dean's Executive Leadership Series. So, Faye, thank you so much and stand up and be recognized. I do want to mention one other thing that relates to farmers and something that Warner Brothers has also done with us. We have an education to business program that many of you are participating in as students or did participate in as a, when you were Uh, Part of our program, it's a student consulting program that has been going on for about five years now in the school. It's a fabulous program. We are doing a project with Farmers Insurance Group this spring. It is our 100th project in our E to B program, so it's been a tremendously successful program. We have done several projects with Warner Brothers as well with some of their different groups, and so we certainly appreciate those of you from the business community that support that program, and we think it's a wonderful benefit to the businesses as well. So we see continued great success with that program. And then I want to remind you that our next Dean's Executive Leadership Series is on March 4th, and we will be featuring Robert Eckert, who is the Chairman of the Board and CEO of Mattel. So that should be a very interesting uh, evening as well. We have some really great speakers that are involved in some sort of Really hot business issues, as you can see, not only out of the television industry right now, but certainly uh, with what Mattel has gone through with some of their toy production. But what I want to do right now is introduce our speaker. That's what you're here for, and I know you're going to be thrilled with what he has to say. It's going to be a really interesting evening. Bruce Rosenblum is considered one of today's most innovative television business executives, and he has headed the Warner Brothers Television Group since 1999 and has really been charged with growing Warner Brothers portfolio of television businesses including their worldwide production Distribution and broadcasting. Um, their television group is rapidly developing new business models for the evolving television landscape, including video on demand, broadband, wireless, and home video exploitation of its vast library. In the traditional television areas, Warner Brothers Television Group produces primetime, first run cable, and animated series. And Mr. Rosenblum is responsible for their domestic television distribution, their cable, as well as their international portfolio of programs. Um, Rosenblum also oversees the studio's broadcasting interest and was one of the driving forces behind the creation and launch of both the WB in 1995 and the CW television network that was launched in 2006 in partnership with CBS. Prior to going to Warner Brothers, he was with Laura Mark Telepictures as vice president for business affairs, and he actually is a lawyer by training, went to law school at UCLA and began his career as an entertainment lawyer and has a bachelor's degree in business from USC. So it is my pleasure to bring to the podium Bruce Rosenblum.
0: I'd like to thank my mom for writing that introduction, because, <laughs> or Scott. Um, I have a speech, but before we – we, we, I actually just did one of those podcasts, and, and the thought of my kids driving in the car listening to that on their iPod scares the hell out of me. So <laughs> I, I don't encourage anybody to, um, to listen to that. Um, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for, for having uh, us here today. We really appreciate the opportunity to, to share some of our thoughts with you. Um, This is a a very highly regarded institution of of higher learning, so I thought I'd start my remarks this this evening with a a bit of a test. Um, I know it's coming as a surprise and you didn't get to study, but let let me try it anyway. Friends, ER, Chuck, and Ellen. What do those four shows have in common? Now, most of you will say that they're all on NBC, and you'd be right. A handful of you might say that they're produced and owned by Warner Brothers, And you'd also be right. Most viewers identify television shows with the networks, so they're generally unaware of who actually produces and owns the series. And in our case, they usually don't know that our television group happens to be the leading supplier of TV content to the broadcast networks. Now, much has been written of late on the subject of internet distribution of our programming, and what we need to remember when we talk about internet distribution is that, Regardless of the screen or the device, content is what drives the value. A value that we're still in the early stages of evaluating and thus we're in month three of a Writers Guild strike and I'll I'll talk about that a little bit later. But before we get going, let me take a step back and please allow me to show you a quick reel of of who we are and where we came from. From the entertainment capital of the world, produced for television by Visible. For over half a century, yeah. Yeah. Warner Brothers has led the way. So here beams, how you doing? I'm just wondering if that's why I was really stuck here, to change destiny.
1: That's the thing about Clark Kent, he's always there when you need
0: him. Wow, how many Superman movies are there? You're kidding, right? Everything, magic. Exceptional Storytelling. You don't like their bodies, do you? Not when they sit up and talk. Just this heaven? Extraordinary talent.
1: You're under risk for murdering
0: the first. Achieving yeah. unparalleled success. Pow! Right on!
1: We're proud to be TV's number one supplier. Showtime.
0: So furious,
1: We gotta go now. Do it!
0: Everything, I know I said some things about you and your world. I'm sorry. Were you calling me? Yeah, we were really dating, this would be the part where I'd be forced to kiss you tonight. Everything, Warner Brothers
1: television group,
0: where content is everything. So as you can see, we do a lot of television. And when I was asked to speak at this executive leadership series on the topic of the future of television, I thought, well, that's not so hard. The future of television is pretty clear. The five broadcast networks will continue to experience a declining share, but they will remain the primary aggregator of large audiences. Ad-supported television will continue to be challenged by time-shifting technologies, by DVRs, but will remain the dominant business model. And production costs will continue to increase, but technology will support the development of new revenue streams that may mitigate some of these escalating costs. And so I almost prepared the shortest speech in the history of your executive leadership series. But then I realized that Dean Livingstone had made a common mistake. She used the word television when what she really meant was electronically transmitted content. That's ETC for short or et cetera for long very long. The possibilities for electronically transmitted content stretch out farther than the eye can see. The thing we once called television, which for decades was a static world dominated by three networks, is now an infinite and constantly changing universe that can be interactively accessed on computers, cell phones, iPods, and yes, even television sets, etc. Indeed. Now I'm not being critical of the hosts of this event and I must admit that at our company, we make the same mistake. My title is President of the Warner Brothers Television Group, but I really oversee the Warner Brothers ETC Group. And when I arrive at work and see the range of meetings, the variety of phone calls, and the expansive emails awaiting me, things seem more etc. every day and more exciting. Warner Brothers is a creative, innovative, global, diverse, and well-positioned multimedia company. From motion pictures to television, from home video, to consumer products from direct to video to games, comic books, and television animation. We have the luxury of connecting with and entertaining consumers of all ages throughout the world on a daily basis. At our core, we're a content company. Our primary competency is that of storytelling. As a content company, we're at a remarkable moment in time. The value of content is shifting. So the big question before us is, who will capture that value? Thanks to the major shifts that are underway in our industry, it's safe to say that we're experiencing an unprecedented potential to reach more people in more ways more often. But of course, the crucial word is potential. The brave new world of electronically transmitted content is unfolding far too quickly for any of us to know where it will lead. We can only be certain that this change is real, that it will affect all of us, that it will require us to adjust the business models we've grown comfortable with, and that it will provide more nouns in front of which Steve Jobs can put a lowercase i. (laughs) Now, in case any of you still doubt the extent of the change that is before us, you can simply look at what's already occurred. Twenty years ago, in 1987, there were three and a quarter broadcast networks. At the time, Fox was barely taken seriously, offering programming only two nights a week. The big three, CBS, NBC, and ABC, of the commanding 73 share of primetime television viewers. The Cosby Show was the number one show, averaging over 30 million households every week. Today, there are five broadcast networks that are watched by 38% of viewers during primetime. This represents a 48% decline from 20 years ago. The number one show is a reality show, American Idol. It's on Fox and it averages about 18 million viewers, a full 40% less than The Cosby Show 20 years earlier. Since 1987, cable networks like ESPN, CNN, Nickelodeon, and HBO have gone from being minor players to being ingrained into our culture. When I hear the phrase, the big three networks, I think of ABC, CBS, and NBC. When my 16-year-old son thinks of the big three, it's ESPN, Comedy Central, and Fox. Times have changed, and increasingly, the TV screen isn't even being filled with TV shows, but with content from DVDs, video games, websites, personal photos, and vacation videos. And the TV shows that are being watched are more and more being watched by people when and how they choose to see them. Video on demand has never been more true. Make no mistake about it, unless the show involves Ryan Seacrest reading results of a singing contest or the Super Bowl, the era of appointment television is gone and unlikely to ever return. That said, even with half the viewers, American Idol is every bit as valuable, if not more so, than The Cosby Show. But the value has shifted. Now some of that value can be found from such sources as millions of text messages, multi-million dollar advertiser integration deals, nationwide and even worldwide concert series, and music downloads. With this in mind, we at Warner Brothers are positioning ourselves to similarly capture some of this shifting and emerging value. And I should add, I, TiVo. American Idol, and I'm going to go home and watch that one tonight. <laughs> but while so much has changed, one thing has remained the same, the clock. There's still only 24 hours in a day. Today, instead of those three networks fighting for your attention during those 24 hours, there are hundreds of channels, plus all the other media you can access on your TV screen. And then there's that other screen vying for your attention. It beckons from your desktops or more often sits in your laps. It's still called a computer, but few compute on it anymore. And increasingly, there's a third screen, wireless, which has become a window to anywhere we want to go. Like television, the other two screens convey content of all kinds. But unlike television, which has formidable barriers if you want to be a content provider, to transmit content online, all you need is a video camera, and the ability to type YouTube.com into your computer. Consequently, in a broadband world, our competitors are no longer just the other five studios in Hollywood, but also four kids in a garage in Des Moines. And here's the most interesting part. The current Wired mythology would have you believe that those four kids win. Now, as television gives way to the broader world of ETC, many argue that traditional studios will lose their relevance. This point of view is nothing new. Every time a new technology has come along, it's been seen as a threat to established entertainment providers. But whether the new technology was radio, television, cable, VHS, DVD, or video games, it's always benefited those who are already producing content. And it has especially benefited those who own a library of content. And this time will be no different. To be sure, the road will be bumpy, some will adapt better than others, and there will be kids in a garage who break through. But I'm confident that companies like ours will once again be able to leverage the latest technology to connect with old and new audiences. And this is because studios have a number of powerful assets that the garage set simply can't match. First of all, we can place lots of bets. More than anything, creative and content success on the internet requires experimentation. Because what no one knows for certain what will work in this space, it's vital to try out a range of promising ideas. Studios have the capital resources to do this. More important, they have the human resources to do it right. Second, studios have libraries. To a large extent, no one has yet cracked the code for monetizing library content on the internet. But these libraries are unique assets that have generated bigger returns on investment with the emergence of each new technology. It's likely that the internet will prove no exception. Third, studios may be labeled old media, but the fact is they already have strong presences on the internet. Many are aligned with strong internet brands and all have sites for everything from films to TV shows to merchandise to theme parks. These sites provide an infrastructure and an expertise on which they can now build. Fourth, and perhaps perhaps most important, there's the core competency of studios, which is storytelling and especially episodic storytelling for which we have a record of repeated success over many, many decades. There are lots of thriving companies and lots of great industries. Microsoft creates software. Apple invented the iPod. Starbucks produces coffee. We produce stories. We do it with a highly trained workforce of storytelling experts that include producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, set designers, costumers, special effects wizards, gaffers, and gophers. For the better part of a century, Hollywood storytelling competency has translated into success in movies and then in television. And just as we wouldn't pretend to know how to make computer programs, music players, or a $3 cup of coffee, others should be mindful of just how difficult it is to tell great stories. Assembling a story that will appeal to millions and justify the support of advertisers is as challenging as any production process I know. This is not to say that the studios have a monopoly on storytelling creativity, but it is our core competency and we have history, experience, and an infrastructure that gives us a significant advantage in maximizing the results of our creativity. In the case of our studio, the Warner Brothers TV Group, we're equipped to blaze a successful path through the new media landscape. Indeed, the challenges of this new landscape are surprisingly similar to the old ones. Throughout all the changes that have impacted the industry as a whole over the past 20 years, we've been the leading supplier of primetime programming in all but three of those years. During this time, we've been consistently successful, but never secure. This is because we've never had the luxury of owning a major broadcast network distribution pipeline of our own. In the 90s, there was tremendous consolidation in the television business. As all the networks aligned with television and movie studios, to become part of large, vertically-integrated media companies. Conventional wisdom held that independent producers, such as Warner Brothers, would be relegated to the sidelines. Instead, we managed to thrive by being more innovative, more aggressive, and more creative than our competition. Warner Brothers has a long-standing reputation of attracting executives who understand that creativity needs to be infused into the process as much as into the product. Consequently, at our historic studio lot, you'll find a tremendous amount of creativity in the expected areas of program development and production, but also in the unexpected areas of business management. Our team has innovatively reinvented the way we structure deals to foster a win-win for us and our network partners who are generally predisposed to buy from their in-house studios. This is accomplished by a collection of entrepreneurs nimble enough to adapt to changing market conditions and improvise with new approaches. Now, some of you appropriately will view this as standard corporate communications spin. And quite frankly, I understand. It's the habit of every large established company to talk about how entrepreneurial, nimble, and innovative they are. But most of them stop with the buzzwords. We actually implement them. Let me share with you a few examples of how creativity from our production and business teams resulted in success. We created a template for lower budget production when we developed a hit show for the cable network FX called Nip Tuck, which ushered in a new production standard as well as a new business model. We were among the first to produce reality programming, such as The Bachelor. We pioneered ad-supported streaming of our series online with the broadcast networks. And we're creating online destinations and new programming specifically for broadband. And of particular relevance to tonight's topic, last September we transitioned TMZ.com from broadband back to television. Because we've tried to not just follow the rules but also establish them, for the current season, our television group is scheduled to produce 34 series with more than uh, 1,000 episodes, depending on when we get back to work after the writers' strike. Now, before you think I'm drinking the corporate communications Kool-Aid again, please keep in mind that we've also been responsible for such television landmarks as The Mullets, Are You Hot? and the Sharon Osbourne show, as well as a few others even more humbling. That's the painful part of experimentation. Every experiment just simply doesn't work. Everyone who works in television knows this very well. On average, just 20% of all shows are successful. Yes, a 200 batting average, which would get you kicked off the Waves baseball team, will make you a prize player in television. Now, to maintain our batting average year after year, we've experimented and placed lots of bets. Many of them have paid off, some of them very big, from Friends to ER to West Wing. For 20 years, we've compensated for not owning a major network by nurturing the talent of our team and the boldness of our business strategies. We now feel more than prepared to apply these strengths to an online world in which everyone must contend with the deficiency we've always lived with, the lack of a dominant distribution outlet. As we build our strategies for the new media era, an important new opportunity is emerging for us. As I said at the outset, in the consumer's mind, our programs are identified with the network, not the studio. Friends was an NBC series, Two and a Half Men is a CBS series, and Pushing Daisies is an ABC series. But we produce and own all of those shows. In new media, the ground rules are different. We're now able to develop direct relationships with both consumers and advertisers, relationships that are not part of our core business of producing for the broadcast networks. There's no primary gatekeeper when it comes to broadband. This allows us to shift the value of the content directly into our hands. Our first glimpse into our online future is TMZ.com. It was created in partnership with AOL in 2005 as a standalone site for celebrity news and gossip. TMZ has become the most popular broadband entertainment news site. In September, it recorded 103 million page views and 10 and unique visitors. About a year ago, we sensed that the site's popularity had transcended the internet so that TMZ was now a brand that could be exploited in other media. We developed the TMZ syndicated television show and launched the new series last September. By the end of its first month on the air, TMZ was the top-rated news show in syndication and has maintained the pole position ever since. With the synergistic success under our belt, we're now pushing further with our new media strategy. We're launching advertiser-supported channels, beginning with Carriage on Juiced. These branded channels use our library in innovative ways, each designed with a specific genre and demographic identity, and each designed to be broadly distributed across multiple platforms. In the works is Tworks. This will be a broadband destination dedicated to all of our animation properties. We'll be leveraging both our library and our animation expertise to create an immersive space where people can spend time with characters ranging from Bugs Bunny to Yogi Bear and from Scooby-Doo to Superman. After 80 years of producing animation, our massive collection of beloved product will be monetized online in a direct advertiser-supported relationship with the consumer. This site will be a valuable marketing tool for our consumer products and theatrical divisions as well. And you can check it out this spring if you will, draw your own conclusions. Eh, And never works. (laughs) Parallel to the production of these sites is the establishment of a new production entity developed exclusively for digital media called Studio 2.0. This is where we're giving rising young talent a chance to express their creative passions outside the traditional box of television. To illustrate how we're setting up this business in contrast to traditional television, at Studio 2.0, we're producing two dozen projects, which in the aggregate costs substantially less than it costs us to produce an hour of network primetime television. These projects range from comedy to sci-fi to soaps and will be featured on the sites we're creating and will be syndicated around the internet. The emphasis is on being experimental with minimal studio intrusion. And if just one of these projects hits critical mass, Studio 2.0 will be a success for us. As I hope you can see, we intend to approach the next 20 years as we have the past 20. Not with some grand strategy that will inevitably become obsolete before the ink is dry, but by staying a few steps ahead and remaining adaptable as we learn from our experiences and the experiences of others. But as we stay um, agile, we steadfastly keep our focus on our core competency of telling great stories. This capability has served us well in the world of television. We're confident it will lead to success in the world of electronically transmitted content. No one can say for certain what this world will look like, but we do know that our entrepreneurial and nimble approach will take us far day after day, week after week, year after year, etc., etc., etc. Thanks.